0: We're continuing on, guys, in a series on revival. The very word revival means to revive again. And so the idea here is that there's something to revive. Now the Bible says that before Jesus Christ enters a person's life, He is spiritually dead, unable to respond to the Holy Spirit, unable to know the eternal life that gives you power here and sends you toward heaven. But the emphasis of revival is not to the one who is spiritually dead, but to the one who has tasted life, and for whatever reason that life has been hindered, it's been blocked, and it's not flowing through the one who's the child of God. And so as we moving on through this series, today I want to look in Jeremiah, actually chapters 5 through 7, but the focal verse that we want to look at is Jeremiah 6, verse 16. So I'm going to ask you when you find that to stand in God's honors, Jeremiah 6, 16, and to follow along uh, silently as I read aloud. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Let's pray. Lord, uh, how good it is to be in your house today. Father, I know um, I need your touch, God. There are times I I just, uh, God, I just need to be revived. And I pray that you revive us again, O Lord. And God, um, rain down your Holy Spirit, Lord, freely. Um, We need your touch, God. We need your Spirit to move among us. Your Word says that no matter what is spoken, unless the Holy Spirit touches the heart, then it's not really heard. And Lord, we're not interested in leaving this place and missing you, God. And so help us not to miss what you're trying to say, even if I'm not trying to say it. May the Holy Spirit speak. And God, help us to, to, to just follow You, whatever that means, God. And I just lift it up to You, Lord, that Your Spirit may speak. In Your name we pray. Amen. He says, stand at the crossroads. A crossroads is an intersection of roads. It is a busy intersection. And you make a choice, what road am I going to follow? It is also a set of choices in life where a decision has to be made. And as God speaks to the people, He says, you guys are at a crossroads. And and you know what's interesting is you look at this section of Scripture, is God's people had closed their ears and their hearts to the Lord. And the Bible says that He disciplines those He loves. He gives spiritual spankings to us when we don't follow Him. Because He loves us so much, He wants us to turn to Him. And not to, to be consumed in sin, but to turn to Him. And, and to find His mercy and to go His direction. And the people had lost sight of Him. They were headed the wrong way. And so God was going to send a big spiritual spanking in the form of some thugs named the Babylonians who were going to come and they were going to flood the country. And they were going to bring a lot of heartache and a lot of destruction. And there were voices saying, that's not going to happen. But God spoke through Jeremiah. And He said, you need to warn them. You need to tell them that this is coming. This is going to happen. And you know, guys, um, I think as a preacher, it's just so much easier to talk about the grace, the love, the mercy of God. But the Bible also talks about the fact that when God is left out, then we are opened up to His judgment. And that's what happened to these people. You know, I'm not one to you know, pound the pulpit and say... Um, repent or be skint, turn or burn, change or be charbroiled. You know that's 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 not my typical style. But that's God. It's all through the scriptures that when you don't receive His gift of eternal life and forgiveness, when you don't go His direction, there's a price to be paid. It talks about in Galatians six, seven, and eight that we reap what we sow. And this was the case uh, among the people here. And what I want to do is uh, just spend our time today looking at some insights from chapters 5 through 7 of what was happening. What were the signs that these people needed a revival? What is it that was happening in their lives that caused them to be at a point of receiving God's judgment? And I want to look at some of these that are right from Jeremiah chapters 5 through 7. And Just be reminded, uh, to me it's frightening because, uh, man, it may be a different year, different era, different culture, but the human heart's the same. First, in Jeremiah chapter 5, as it starts out, I, I want you to notice that dishonest, dishonesty and deception marked everyone in the land. Uh, look at Jeremiah 5 verse 1. He says, go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Look around and consider. Search through her squares. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. Man, there was disillusionment everywhere. The thrust was to get ahead at all cost. If it meant hurting somebody, you hurt somebody. If it meant lying, cheating, deceiving. If it meant being a crook, but you could make a buck, go for it. <laughs> and, and that was what was happening in that age. And God said, everywhere I look, there's no honesty. It's just deception. And people are caught up in a lie. People are hurting each other instead of living by mercy, instead of honest business dealings. This is the way it looks among my people. And it upset God. Then notice in verse 3, he goes on in chapter 5, he, and, and basically they're stone-faced and they're stone-hearted. O oh Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. So before this invasion of the Babylonians, God had been trying to get their attention. He had basically been sending spiritual spankings. But they clenched their teeth in rebellion. They said, I can take it. I'm tough, God. Bring it on. How stupid against God. But they were saying no to God. They had this rebellious heart, this rebellious spirit. And so they were marking a way for judgment to come. You know, I I read about this one kid and uh, he was bad to get spankings. Man, I mean... He was known for the spankings. But his brother, years later, talking about it, this guy's name was Jerry. He said, you know, Jerry got smart after a while though. Man, Dad would break out that switch and he'd wear him out. He said, but after a while, Jerry figured out that if he got real close to Dad... That Dad couldn't get any leverage. And when he's real close. You know, it's hard to just really spike somebody when they're real close. And so he'd get as close to Dad as he could so Dad couldn't get any leverage and wind up that switch. You know, that's, that's a good philosophy for God's kids. If you get close to Dad, you get close to the Heavenly Father, it's easier to hear His voice. It's easier to turn. It's harder for Him to get leverage and throw that switch back. And getting our attention. Notice in verse 21 of chapter 5, he says, Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Even though they had not been listening, the heart of God was, I want them to hear. I don't want to punish them. I don't want to spank them. I don't want to discipline them. I want them to know my mercy. I want them to receive new life and to follow me. That was God's heart the whole time, guys. Uh, Next point, their passion was to another one besides the Lord. Look at verse 7 of chapter 5. God's uh, speaking. Why should I forgive you? Your children have forsaken men, sworn by gods that are not gods. I supplied all their needs, yet they committed adultery and thronged to the houses of prostitutes. They were well fed, lusty stallions, each naying for another man's wife. What's he say? He said, man, everybody is just after their own lust. They're just chasing their own dreams and they're leaving me out of everything. I am not the object of worship. They have forgotten me. They have turned from me. God says, I'm a jealous God. He's still a jealous God, guys. When we forget God and we leave Him out, we open ourselves up. We open ourselves up, guys. Just that simple. Um, Next, God's Word is offensive to them. Look in chapter 6 now, verse 10. He says, To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. So what was the sign? They were offended by what God had to say. They didn't want to hear what Scripture had to say on the issue. They didn't want to hear God's point of view. They didn't want to hear it. And they got offended. And they got mad. And they had their rights. You know, I thought of this. This week I read, uh, this is part of a a note that was on Facebook that Terry and Samantha had written, I guess from their blog. And I will share it with you. It says, uh, Let me assure you, God is doing great things here in Belize. I was able to witness one of the greatest things ever. All the churches in the surrounding areas get together the night before Independence Day, which is September 20th, and have an all-Christian parade. And the most special thing is you're in this parade and everybody has their own sound system and you stop at every village and pray. If you can imagine, 20 floats going down the road, then they stop with all on the same radio station. And prayers lifted up for that village. Not only does God hear these prayers, but they're also heard for miles. I couldn't help but think of the states um, where you would be offending someone if you prayed for them. The people here were amazed at the number of people that came out for this parade. <laughs> Keep in mind that the parade was four hours long and went for about twelve miles. And they said, "I'm still amazed." How there was no complaining when people stopped and prayed for the villages, prayed for the people. How it seemed people were open. I need God. And yet, we live in a land, we know our history. We know as this place started, one of the major factors was people wanted to be able to worship God freely. They wanted to be able to come to their Savior in in a way that uh, that they were free to do so. And now it's like, guys, uh, it's not true. I think of it several occasions at football games where, you know, they used to be able to say a prayer before a game and now you can't. And I, I've heard of a couple of occasions where the people would just automatically start saying the Lord's Prayer in unison. I think as a way of saying, you may not let me do this, but I can't stop. I've got to give honor to who it's due to God, to Christ. And then I think of these graduations where the speakers who love the Lord can't pray in Jesus' name or mention the name of Jesus. And it's just a crazy time in our, in our culture often. And, and this was the case there. God was to be silenced among the people. and People would get upset and they would be offended. And, 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 and what can we have Well, we can have a, a time of silence? Well, I guess that has some value. But in this sin world, sinful world, we don't need a time of silence. We need the Savior. We need to be forgiven. We we need to hear directly from Him, guys. That's the hope. Um, moving on here, verse fourteen. I want you to notice among these people, there's no shame. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. So the public mouthpieces of that day... um, I assume the prophets, uh, the uh, physicians, those who were in public places of authority, when they spoke, they were going against what God was saying through Jeremiah. There's not going to be any judgment. Guys, don't listen to that stuff. It's peace, peace, that's all there is. And, and God is, is saying again through Jeremiah, yeah, it's just not true guys. I don't care how positive you want to be and how upbeat you're going to be. This is what is going to occur. This is what is going to happen. And, and that word loathsome, I, I looked it up and said, what in the world really is loathsome? And as I looked it up, it said, causing nausea, causing a person to become nauseated. So what is being said here? God is saying, whenever you discount Me, whenever you ignore Me, whenever you don't deal with your sin and come straight to the Savior, whenever you act like there's no problem, whenever you cover it up and just walk around like God doesn't really care, it nauseates God. It... it, It sickens Him. Because our God is a God that went to the cross and died so that we can be forgiven of sin. Not hide it and run around like it doesn't exist, but so that we can be trophies of grace that say, God forgave me, and you too can have this forgiveness. But when I walk around and I'm not real, and then people find out and they see that, it affects the witness of Christ. It stifles revival. It, it keeps the Spirit of God from moving. And, and God said, that sickens me, and I want it to stop among my people. Guys, that's, that's what I believe is, is the point there. And, and there's no sense among them of shame. They, they had lost anything shocking them. I, I thought of this passage in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.8, 5, it begins, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Just as I mentioned at the beginning of this message, you know, before Christ opened our eyes and our hearts, we were dark. Without life. Unable to see. But the light of the world, Jesus Christ, opened our eyes. So that we can see. You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. And He says, live as children of light. Live as those children of light. Don't hide in the darkness. Live in the light. Walk into the light. Don't hide in the darkness, but expose the darkness. And he goes on here, notice in verse 12, he says, it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. May we not cling to those fruitless deeds of darkness. He says, guys, don't live there. Let my power be evident in your lives. Get out from behind that and, and live in me. I, I believe that's the call that God has given. It's the call that's still needed today among us. Man, we talk about America needing revival and America turning away from sin. Guess what, guys? I'm America. You're America. We're all part of America and we all need Jesus to awaken us. Notice how this passage ends in verse 14. He says, For it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Guys, when a revival happens, not only do we come down the aisle because God grips us and He says, man, it's time to get serious about me and, and make me known and, and to uncover that sin and, and, and to, let it, to let it be shown that I, I refuse to stay in shameful things and the fruitless deeds of darkness. I want to walk in the light of Christ. And so I want to come down. But when we come down, guys, it's not just coming down to the altar. It's going out... From the altar, making known among the people, I'm forgiven. God's taken me, and He's changed me. And He's grabbed hold of my heart, and I know He's forgiven me. And to walk in that way, of forgiveness through the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, that'd be easy for me to sit here and start naming what I think are the you know really big sins. We do that a lot of times. But what I what I'm going to do? I'm just going to read from two lists. First Corinthians six. And in the book of uh, Ephesians, it's either Ephesians or Galatians. It's Galatians. And in these lists, what's interesting is both these lists say people whose lives are continually marked by this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they can say they belong to Jesus, but their lives don't say that. Let me just read from these. This is first First Corinthians, starting at six nine. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I love this in verse 11. And that is just what some of you were. Now, it's not saying are and continue to be. I'm not saying that we don't slip into sin, but it's not the continual working of my life. It's not who I'm known as. It says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Next list in Galatians 5, starting at verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what's my point with all this? I'm not trying to say that anything except the blood of Jesus Christ forgives us of our sin. There's nothing but Jesus that gives you the hope of heaven, okay? But what I am saying is this, that man, once Jesus gets a hold of your life, what you're most known for is not a life that's just continually about these things. Man, when Jesus gets a hold of you, there's a change. And that's what He's saying here. It adds up. And so I guess what I'm saying to any of you guys is, where are you? Because I don't know. I don't know where I am half the time, okay? But God does. And He wants me to be honest enough to approach Him and say, okay, God, here's the real me. And when I do that, guys, when I meet Him, I change. I want revival. I need revival. And the way that happens is when we hear that God changes us. And He moves in us and responds to us hearing and obeying. And so, guys, that's my heart. That brings us to where we started As I come to the end of this message, verse 16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Here we are, there's a bunch of roads, where are you headed? Which road are you going to get on? Which road are you on? Which direction are you moving? He says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. The ancient paths, obviously, are the paths. They were the chosen people. They were the ones God's hand picked. They're the ones God picked out. They weren't the ones that God had not shown mercy to, guys. He says, remember the old roads. Remember when I came to you. Remember when I, when I said, you're my own. Remember when I set you apart. And he still says that to you and me. Guys, the huge majority of those of us in here have had that experience where we came face-to-face with our sin and we came face-to-face with the good news that Jesus died on a cross but that He did not stay in the grave but that He came back from the dead and He rose to heaven and that He's our intercessor and that when we trust Him, we can be forgiven. And He says, go back to that! Stop making excuses and complaining about God's people and, and being... Negative and, and eat up with criticism and, and being an, uh, an ambassador of the devil instead of the grace of God. Come back to me. Look at the ancient ways and come back. That's what this is about. And you know what? One of the saddest, man, one of the saddest sentences in all of Scripture to me is the end of that verse. But you said, We will not walk in it. Man, I hope that doesn't happen here. May none of us say, I'm just not going to do it, God. You know, as I look at this guy, he says, notice there in verse 16, he says, You'll find rest for your souls. Do you want rest? I mean, real rest. Look the ancient paths, get on the road that leads to life. Don't live in the darkness. Get in the light. That's what he's talking about here. There's a judgment that's a coming, and God still cares. He says, I want you to turn. The reason the judgment's coming is they are still saying no. Not us. Not Kingsway. Not me. May we hear. Close of the story Ed. There's a little girl. She was walking with her daddy at night. It was a clear night, and you could see all the stars. And she looked up in the sky and she said, Daddy, it is so beautiful. She said, If the wrong side of heaven is this beautiful, I wonder what the right side is like. The Bible says, No eye has seen, No ear has heard, No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And, And as I close this message, I guess my charge is, I ask you, which road are you on? There's only one that leads to heaven, and are you traveling or have you stopped? Have you gotten on the side path? Get on the road, and may God move among us. Let, let, let's pray. God, thank you for today, for speaking to our hearts. God, Lord, I'm not interested in, in just some words, Lord. We need You. We need Jesus. And uh, God, I I can't change anybody but the Holy Spirit's in that business. Change me, Lord. Change my brothers and sisters. Lord, do a work in us that can't be missed by Bristol. It can't be missed by the Tri-Cities. Stir up this place, God, with Your Spirit. Set us free, God, of our junk. Revive us, Lord. May we live again in a powerful way, God. That people will ask, what's going on on that hill up there? And uh, then they might come and see Jesus in His glory set free, Lord. And Father, that it wouldn't just stay on this hill, but it would go where we work, go to our homes, that You might just mark our lives And that there would be no hiding in sin, but what we look like we are. I just ask for that to occur, Lord. Father, as as we come to You, some You want to bring to this altar to pray. Some down at the cross to pray. um, Some to say here at the front to, uh, to pray with me and to say before the people, God's working in my life.